You're listening to Something Real, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. On this week's Something to Talk About, we're staying in Luke chapter 13 and really focusing in on two sections here. Number one, where the title of this message comes from, uh, where Jesus sets a woman free from uh, the oppression she's been facing for 18 years and and has caused her uh, pain and and a horrible disability. And uh, the second section, Jesus talks more about the narrow door uh, that many will try to enter. And uh, it's a really interesting discussion that we had here. And so if you have any questions, as always, feel free to let us know. Next week, we're taking a little break from Luke and uh, focusing more on Palm Sunday and Easter. But in the meantime, enjoy this something to talk about. Good morning, Rich. Good morning, Vietnam. We're not in Vietnam. No, we're not. R.I.P. Robin Williams. And it won't be morning when you post this. So That's very true. All of the really silly things we say, but we are professional podcasting. We're doing it in the morning, so that gives us an excuse to say silly things. Indeed. So, I took a sip of coffee at the wrong time. So, <laughs> we are uh, covering the message last week, which was Luke chapter 13, right? Yes. Yeah, we, we started out with uh, 13 verse 10 and then worked through the rest of the chapter and uh, Jesus kind of encapsulates the whole thing with what he does in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And we talked about the fact that uh, we've already seen this type of story repeatedly, but Luke is including it here um, as sort of a transition. Part of the structure of how he lays this stuff out is he changes scenes and shows Jesus once again teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Uh, a woman shows up who has been crippled for 18 years, oppressed by by Satan's um, you know, nefarious plans for her. But God's plans are bigger. And so as uh, she's there <clears throat> not giving up in the midst of our, her long ordeal and difficult life, uh, instead she's... At church, she's at the same For 18 seat. years. Right. She's seeking something greater. And so uh, Jesus sees her, heals her, sets her free is how, how he phrases it here. And uh, and this woman, the moment Jesus said it, is set free, but there's still that process of him putting his hands on her. And then after that, that connection, that relationship, she experiences the freedom that she already had at his declaration she straightens up, praises God, and then we see how that kind of plays out for the rest of the of the chapter. This whole um, unit of thought, this pericope, if you will. Second week in a row, we're, you use that we're word. We're having, having fun with the pericope now. Uh, <clears throat> so anyway, as we're seeing this unfold, it, it, it's sort of a picture of what he's going to be doing through the rest of this passage. And uh, his the whole focus here is... is that God offers mercy, but only through Christ. So that as, as Jesus is there to do this healing, that's not a grand scheme of things, that's why he's there so we can have this story here. But what he's actually there for is the teaching. In the teaching, um, he has compassion on this woman. He um, sets her free. And there's a message for the indignant synagogue ruler and for all others who think that the traditions or the human restrictions are the the whole issue. This is about relationship. And so while he's telling everybody, come come get healed on another day, you know, not on the Sabbath, any other day. But 
Jesus is the only one who can bring this healing and he's there now. And so um, that sort of feeds into what he's setting up with the rest of this, that there is, <clears throat> excuse me, there is this offer to everyone to be a part of God's kingdom. The, the kingdom is vast and it's pervasive and it goes through all, all categories of people, all facets of society. And in the process um, of telling that story, uh, he's speaking to the, to the crowd, he's speaking to the disciples, to anybody who will hear it. Um, he still uh, appears to be in the synagogue when he tells these parables, but then he goes through and he's teaching the people. And as he teaches the people, um, somebody asks the question, you know, are, are only a few people going to be saved? Mm-hmm. And he says, well, here's how this works. There's a narrow door. Lots of people are going to try, but they're going to try other things. They're going to try other ways to God. There, Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Other people are going to try to get to the Father apart from Christ, and there is no other way to the Father. So, you know, we talk about, you know, other world religions. Judaism is incomplete. It doesn't, it, it, what we see now in contemporary Judaism doesn't recognize Christ as Messiah. They're still waiting for the one to come, but right. he's already come, so we're missing out on that. They're going to be waiting a long time. Yeah, the, the world religions that are out there, whether it's Eastern mysticism or of various kinds, um, the, the 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 whole you know world of Islam that everybody's talking about, uh, any number of cults or other things, even within the Christian church, and I, I use the term in those cute little quotes, uh, in, in what we re, what we see as the church in Christendom, there is this um, this tendency to want to come to Christ through religion, this right. broad way. And so, uh, the Catholic Church is really a pretty good picture of, of this battle back and forth. Even though the the teaching is off completely, but <clears throat> under Pope Benedict, the previous pope, uh, much more conservative uh, German. Uh, guy and one of the things that I respected about him is that he would say outright that he believe I'm going to hell because the the path is through the church and apart from the church you don't get into heaven. Well, that's always been their their teaching. That's a very narrow teaching. It's wider than what Jer- Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying the only way right. is me. Right. But but nonetheless, there's this particular path that the teaching of the Catholic Church has has always said it's through Christ. But the the keys to uh, heaven are, are in the church that was passed down and blah, blah, blah. So the current Pope has, <laughs> as the guys at Lutheran satire would say, Frank the hippie Pope, a uh, little offensive, but they're teaching teaching the Bible by making fun of stuff. Anyhow, a little plug for their uh, their podcast or blog or whatever. I think it's a YouTube channel. YouTube channel, yeah. I think that's all they have. Anyhow, as, as we see the current Pope, Francis, he's kind of setting aside the Pope, setting aside the teachings of the church to have a much broader, more ecumenical perspective so that... I think that's know, one of the reasons he's such a popular Pope because it's easier for people. He's making it... He's, he's, yeah, he's kind there, of catering to what people... Right, he's opening up these, right. these teachings to the people. Now, don't get me wrong, the, the Catholic teachings do not lead to heaven at, at the core of it. There are lots of believers right. in the Catholic Church, but... Uh, there's a, there's a constant struggle between the official teaching, which uh, moves you away from this gospel. This is why Protestants are Protestants. Um, 
and adds things to it that go above the line of the scripture. And there's a difference between that and, and the, the gospel itself. So not to get off on, on that subject, but I think that's a pretty good picture of this tendency that we have to want to widen the road. We always want to widen the road. Uh, another example is the seeker-driven kind of, of worship service or churches that, that we have now that's become so popular since the 90s, <clears throat> really the 80s, but, but we saw it really grow and we see all these mega churches. And we throw away the traditions of the past completely. We don't want to get caught up in traditions, but we we inherently create our own traditions. Whatever we start to do now becomes a new tradition for us. And rather than than preaching the gospel as it is, we're trying to market the church. We're trying to find uh, what's going to appeal to people, what's going to grab their attention, what kind of songs and worship can we do that that uh, will appeal to unbelievers, and we're doing the same thing. We're trying to widen the road right. and we end up missing it. There's nothing wrong with being sensitive or aware to the, of the fact that, that there are unbelievers right. present in the church and trying to connect them with the gospel. We should be doing that all the time. That's Jesus did that, preaching to the believers and the unbelievers at the same time. And we should always do that. Right. But the needs of the believers and the needs of the unbelievers are not the same thing. And we need to be looking at how do we get people through that narrow door? And once you get through that door of Christ, once you realize there is no other way, there's no other path, I can't get into heaven by coming to church. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what church it is. It doesn't matter if it's the church I'm preaching at or somebody else's church, Catholic, Protestant, whatever it is. It's irrelevant. You cannot get to heaven through the church alone, through attending church or through doing churchy things or singing good songs, whether you're singing old hymns or new worship songs, whether you have a, a, a pastor who follows liturgies and uh, reads a, a, a manuscript for their sermons or somebody who is uh, more casual, informal, more of a low church setting, that's irrelevant. None of that stuff saves you, only Jesus Christ. And that's the whole message that, that he's putting out here, that there is mercy available to all, but you can only get that mercy if you come this way. And that's a, that's a pretty huge message for us to learn because it, it alters not only our own path. The question was, are only a few going to be saved? And really the answer is, stop worrying about that. Focus on whether you're going to be one of them. Right. And then once, once you are, once you've, once you've entered through the narrow door, once you've come to Christ and you're a part of that kingdom, then by definition we have the heart of Christ, the mind of Christ, and we need to stop thinking in worldly terms and begin to think in, in eternal spiritual terms so that we, um, as, as we go forward in our walk, our heart is breaking for those around us who don't know Jesus or who are being deceived into thinking there's some other door. I can take a shortcut. I can, I can jump the line. But unless... You know, unless I got a fast pass, I can't jump the line. I have to still get through at the same entry point, no matter how we do it. Otherwise, so. it's Tower of Terror here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But, but, Eternally. Eternal Tower of Terror. Um, speaking of our, our human humanness and our human view on things, um, the imagery of this, this section is kind of intense because it kind of feels like, maybe this is just my wild imagination, it kind of feels like when you when you're reading it, when you're really thinking about it. It kind of feels like a scene from a movie where you see, 
you know, certain people in this door and then you see others who want to get in and they're, they're outside and they can see the people yeah. inside and they're clamoring and basically saying, help me, save me. And they can't get in. Right. And as a person, that's terrifying to, to picture. Hmm. And even the idea, the words narrow door, that's kind of scary because it makes you feel like, what if I can't get in here? And, and so I think it, uh, I think the fact that, you know, we have this, our, our, our personness gives us this imagery. It's, it's another sign, I think we talked about last week or the week before, of urgency. Hmm, absolutely. Uh, you know, you've got limited time. And a limited space to get through. Yeah, and that judgment just, is final. Once right, you, right. Once you get and to that it. place, once you've missed the the final opportunity, and you die, or the Lord returns, and judgment comes, there are no second chances after that. That's that's it. This life is all you're given. So, if you don't know Christ, if if you know Christ, great. If you know, if, if I die today. That's no big deal. It's right. it's more than no big deal. That's a blessing. Like right. like Paul said, man, to live is Christ. Everything that I'm about here is Christ. But it, if I go home, man, that's even better because right. I get to actually be with Christ instead of contemplating and thinking about and longing for and spreading the word about. I'm going to actually be with him face to face. So as, as a Christ follower, as a believer, already through the door in the kingdom, that's awesome. Right. But knowing that there are others who are not there, that should break our hearts. But do you because think... there are people who are going to be on the outside, friends and relatives of mine who have who have already passed, who are outside just lamenting, as, right. as Jesus says, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why didn't I choose? Why couldn't I make that decision then? And now it's too late. But do you think when Jesus is saying all of this, I'm thinking again of the humanness of the people listening. Yeah. It's not, he's not using scare tactics. Yeah. I mean, you, you think of like scared straight, the old program or whatever. Jesus isn't, isn't necessarily doing that here, no, right? It, it's simply he's not, reality. Right. Yeah. He's just saying, this is how it is. Yeah. Do what you want. Yeah. It's not a scare tactics. It's, it's a reality he's not therapy. trying to scare people into following him. No. Here, here's the facts. Right. You're going to die. Right. So that should be scary. Right. And if you don't get that, then you're not going to act on it. So you're you're on the tracks and there's a train coming. You should be scared. Get off the tracks. If you don't get off the tracks, you're going to die. That's the message. And so it's not a matter of... And I, that's I a fact. To, it's not like, Ooh, right. there's a train coming. I don't have to try to dress right. it up. Right. I don't have to scream and holler. You know, we think of the the caricature of the, the old fundamentalist preacher pounding the pulpit and right. screaming, hair going all wild. And, you know, the, there's a lot of performance that's involved in that. But there's also, there is that urgency. And there is a certain, dare I say it, exclusivity to it. You know, when we hear that narrow door, right. it feels like, ooh, that's kind of exclusive. Right. You know, and we don't like that no, as we, people. Especially in our generation, right. we just, we hate that. Right. And so... When we see him say, many will try to enter, but right. won't be able to it's enter. It's almost like, well, who do you think you are? I can I can do whatever that person can do. Right. And yet... That's our mentality. If we just simply put down our pride mm -hmm. and our, our you know ruffled feathers about it, and look at how this works. Right. If I'm trying to get on the ride at Disney, I can be mad all day long. I still got to go through the same entry point. Right. And if I don't do that, I get kicked out of the park. 
There's no other option. I don't get to ride the ride. I don't get to, you know, it's no, hey, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to get back in here. Right. You're done. See ya. You don't get to do this. And then you miss out on like churros and everything throughout the day. Man, and, and my favorite, Splash Mountain. Oh. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been there. But I don't even like water rides. They redid really, it. But, but uh, of course, they probably took all the good stuff out. They did. <laughs> Anyhow, um, but, but we, um, huh, microphone. That's it's still working. <laughs> Good. Okay. Just your head. Can't hear it. Yes. Yeah. You can't hear it. And it I assume, I assume it's still working. But as you know, as we look at it, we, you know, we get indignant about the exclusivity of it. But it's not that he's saying, well, you get to come through and you don't get to right. come through. Right. Right. There's a different element, you know, that we talk about in, in another passage dealing with election. But this is, this is, talking about the reality from our side of the curtain that. The offer is for everybody. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why he leads into this, why Luke leads into this, whether Jesus said this you know, directly before. There seems to be a scene change here. But, uh, but Luke is setting this up so that we see Jesus giving these parables about the vastness of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. There's room for everybody. Tiny little mustard seed, but it's going to become this massive tree that birds can make their nests in. This is a huge offer. There's enough room for everyone. And it's not limited to just certain people from certain classes. Right. And, you know, if, if you, you know, do the right things the right way or you're with the right group of people, if you're a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant or whatever, you know, all straight people get in or all Baptists get in or all, you know, whatever. None of that stuff fits. That picture of the yeast working its way through 60 pounds of, of flour to make right. this, to right. influence the entire batch of dough is a picture of the pervasiveness of the kingdom, that, that the gospel is for everyone, and there's room in the kingdom for everyone. However, that offer going out is still going to leave most people, unfortunately, on the outside looking in because they won't take advantage of it. If you show up to the party without the invitation, you don't get in. The, the invitation was sent. If you don't care about it, sorry, that's your ticket, man. You can't just say, well, you know, if it's not it's not based on who you are it's based on what you do you're it's, doing yeah it's based on who he is right everything is it's all about who you know and if you if ain't you, that the truth it, well and and there's something to that because the whole point that he's making here in John 10 he really clarifies it when he says I am the door I am the gate for the sheep enter through me there is no other way he, he, you know, he kind of mixes metaphors, which makes me feel a lot better because if Jesus can do it, then I feel like I have some license to do it. Hopefully I do a better job than I did on Sunday when I totally botched the entire illustration. But anyway, the, the entire um, picture of uh, the entire picture of Jesus being this door is to remind us that it's exclusive in that there is only one way. Right. But anyone can come to Christ. Anybody can come through this door. It's, it's almost a hard concept for us to understand, as, I think especially as Americans. Well, our sin nature makes it hard. Right. Satan works to blind us. Our, our, the world around us is distracting. The, you know, the pain that we go through right. makes it hard to process. And then we get these frameworks that, right. that you know, we grow up thinking about fairness, which is a flawed concept even in our world. Uh, it... it <laughs> The idea of fairness, that everyone gets a, an equal shot, is ludicrous. That's just not reality. No matter how much I want to be you know, a, a seven-foot-tall black man in the NBA, I'm not. Right. And it doesn't matter how I choose to identify. That's just the reality. I'm not that. Don't get into that. So the, the fact of the matter is 
I am what I am. So, you know, I, I can look at... Maybe you think that's not fair. And it isn't fair. You know, why is it that some people have hair and I got this? You know, that's well. these are things that, you know, shoot, I, you know, forever I wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to have, you know, the you know, long hair and all that kind of stuff. That's not my lot in life. <laughs> so the reality of it is... I've seen pictures you used to have a moment. It's not fair. Deal with it. Right. And and so the quicker we get past the whole idea of fairness, the quicker we can begin to deal with reality. And that's one of the struggles in our generation. People blame millennials. It's not millennials. It's all of the generations put together. They have a different way of expressing <clears throat> it, maybe. Maybe, but they learned it from their parents. Right. And, you know, it's all been passed down. We, we, we work together to create this fallacy that there is some sort of a, a fairness that we all just get to... We all get what we deserve. Well, if we really want to look at what we deserve, we all deserve death and hell. Right. That's all that we deserve. There is no good thing. The fact that I'm taking a breath right now is more than I deserve. Right. The misery of this life <coughs> is better than I deserve. My sin means death, eternal condemnation, no other options, no respite, no rescue. That That's all there is. And it doesn't matter how hard you work at it. Not even a little bit. <laughs> So, like you my, said, doing all the right things or going to church yeah. or singing the right songs. It doesn't matter. Isaiah said that, that our very best, the best we have to offer, is like filthy rags. Right. We're talking <laughs> about holy God. Right. And, and in the, the imagery actually in Hebrew is even more disgusting than that. It's, but there's a, there's a filthiness right. to it. To our best efforts, to our best intentions, it's all tainted. It's all stained. And Another thing we don't like to hear. <laughs> absolutely. Well, and that's why we see a lot of theological division about things because there are some things that we see in Scripture. We, we can see it. We just don't like it. Right. You know, so then... So then we choose to twist it. Theologically, when we talk about the idea of total depravity, what we're talking about is that every part of who we are is tainted. It's corrupted by the presence of sin. So nothing is pure as it was in Eden. Right. We, we're, uh, Luther said we're bound over in our will to sin. Uh which is straight from the scripture, you know, in, in Romans 8, it says that, that the sinful heart, the, 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 the heart of flesh or the mind of flesh doesn't submit to God, can't submit to God. We are too sinful. We are hostile to God. So it requires God's intervention to change that. So when we talk about fairness or any of the rest of this, none of that, that that's all based on some utopian idea right. that everything is perfect. Everything was, and we threw that away. Right. And we should have been destroyed utterly as a race if God had no no mercy and just justice. Then we could have all been destroyed in Eden, and that's it. We threw God. it away, and then we have the gall to want it back. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and he offers it back. So he says, look, I'll give you everything. I'll restore everything that you threw away in your rebellion against me. However, you have to come to the door. You have to come my way. And if you don't do that, if you don't come lay yourself down at the cross, make yourself a living sacrifice, lay down at this altar, the price has already been paid. The sacrifice mm -hmm. has been offered. All you have to do is receive that and in the receiving of it, you die with Christ and you're raised to a new life in Christ to be able to live for the first time as a person of truly free will to be able to please God. Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it's impossible to please God because he that comes to God has to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If I don't have that relationship with him, then nothing that I do pleases God. Right. 
I want to go back really quick. We just have a few minutes left here um, to the, the beginning of, of what we started talking about today when he when Jesus is um, healing the crippled woman. Uh, what what struck me in that um, I don't think anyone said anything. Okay. <laughs> um, what struck me in that was he he spoke and she was healed, hmm. and then he put his hands on her. But as we as we talked about, and as it says, he was she was already healed. He just spoke it into existence. Mm-hmm. So I guess my, my when you're the king of everything, you can do right, you right. Can declare things. Cool. So then, the 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 I don't know if it says he puts his hand on her shoulders or her arms or something, or I, doesn't even say where he where he touches yeah, it. Yeah, I may have added putting his hands on her shoulders. Uh, he's in the middle of hollering at him. Let's see. I mean, I suppose it doesn't matter. He could have touched her pinky finger. Yeah, he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened okay. so, up. So praise God. So we can assume. In my you know, mind, right. I see him taking right. hold of her shoulders. I think that's Woman, a stand fair up. assumption. You're, you're set free. So then, what was the point of that? Of him putting his hand on her, or yes. the, the, the delay. Well, it's a pretty good picture of of our regular experience. For each one of us, when we come to Christ, the moment we put our our hope, our trust in his death and resurrection for us, we are 100% set free. Right. We're completely forgiven. We can never be more forgiven than we are at that moment. And we will never be less forgiven than we are at that moment. We are completely accepted. We are children of God. And And you can't lose your salvation. Absolutely not. And we are 100% his. However, I think we can all recognize that our experience of that freedom doesn't come all at once. Sure. Yeah. So it, it takes some time. There's another picture that I that I really like of Lazarus uh, in um, in John. Is it John 11? I think uh, when when Jesus raises Lazarus Lazarus from the grave, and he he has him come out from the tomb. Right. He's been dead for four days. And his sister's like, Lord, don't, you know, what are you thinking? He stinks. You right. Know, we can't do it. His body is corrupted and Nasty. decaying, right? <clears throat> so Jesus hasn't come out. And interestingly, nobody's complaining about the smell because dead man is alive now. Right. But he's still bound in the grave clothes. They would wrap him up almost, almost right. mummy-like, right? right? So, so he's still bound in this. So when he comes out, he's already alive. Right. He's already raised, and Jesus tells them, unbind him, take off the grave clothes, release him, and set him free. While he's already alive, he's still bound in the in the garments of death, if you will. Mm. We still experience that kind of a thing. So every person in Christ is free by the declaration of God. That is eternally true, cannot be undone, cannot be messed up by my failures. But I'm still walking around in the habits, mm-hmm. in the ways of thinking that I've always been right. used to, that the world around me has. The devil's constantly whispering in my ear. He has no power of me, over me other than to deceive and distract and discourage. Right. So as long as I don't buy the he's lies. He's not taking you. Right. He's, right. he's just using <clears throat> propaganda. If I don't buy the propaganda, he has no power. Because he's he's bound. He's right. still active in the world. He's just trying to get his kicks while he can, <clears throat> essentially, right? Well, yeah, yeah. And so he's going to keep on lying. Right. So it's like you're in a war and, and your victory is is 
imminent, you're in there taking, the, but the enemy's still dropping pamphlets. Right. right. So that it's kind of that sort of a thing. Okay. And as Jesus is putting his hands on her, he's connecting with her. And that relationship now causes her to see and experience the freedom that is already hers in Christ. He's okay. already given that freedom, but her experience of that freedom takes takes a, a development. And that's true for us as well as we're walking through our discipleship, we're walking through our, our Christian life. We're not entirely sanctified. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're not completely made holy in our practice. We're made holy in our position because he has said, this is who you are. But we have to figure out who we are. After the okay. Emancipation Proclamation, there were no longer any slaves in America. Right. But there were a lot of right. people who still thought they were slaves, right. still felt like slaves. Because that was what they knew. Right. And even after they knew it, after they heard the, the news, they knew they were set free, they didn't know how to live free. It right. took, took years, even generations to be able to. And sometimes we're still dealing with some of those things now mm-hmm. because the experience of that freedom is different than the declaration of that freedom. Okay, that makes sense. I just think it's important to know that's, that, you know, that's not for theatrics. Right. He wasn't trying to show the crowd, you know. Yeah, there's this a purpose in what, in what he does. Okay, that makes more sense to me. Okay. Well, I didn't have any more questions. I All think right. we covered it. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Next week is uh, Palm Sunday. It is indeed. And it's also our first uh, week in our new building. Very excited. Which we're really about excited about. Yeah, so if you are in the Southwest. Where we're recording now, so we if you are, hear any right, noises, people, that's why. People yeah. are working very hard to make things ready. Uh, so if you are in the Southwest Michigan area... Come by Sunday, 10.04, and then our, our official grand opening is Easter Sunday. But uh, the something to think about episode this week will be a little different. We're going to uh, step away from Luke for, for Palm Sunday and Easter, and then we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming. Rock on. All right. Thank you guys for listening.